before, uh, I think there was only three or four of us who were here, one of our members came in and said that they were having uh, back problems, and they were so miserable they weren't going to be able to come to church. But he said, I remember the scripture in James says that if you're sick, you call the elders of the church, and uh, you're anointed with oil. And so I wanted to know if you could pray for me, and then I'm going to go home and go to bed. And we said, sure, we'll pray. So Chaplain Doug Gardner and I anointed this man with oil. And friends, immediately the pain left his body. Immediately. He was so thrilled. He said, thank the Lord. You know, Thursday in our men's study, Keith made a statement that was just so profound. I've thought of it really ever since. He said, you will experience what you're expecting. And when you come to church, you will experience what you expect. If you expect to hear from God, to feel a touch from God, to learn something from his word, you will leave. And you will say, thank you, Lord, for meeting that need, my expectation. But if you come and you just expect the same old, same old, oh, I've heard that, you're going to leave disappointed. Isn't that interesting how that works? You experience what you expect. So I would just encourage you, and my goodness, that man this morning, he received an immediate healing, but that's what he was expecting when he came. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning, I want to look at a very familiar portion of Scripture. The Lord gave me this uh, Scripture probably two months ago. Like, I, I should use this for Thanksgiving, and it's the story of the ten lepers. But I really wrestled with it because we've heard the story of the ten lepers. We've heard about how only one came back to give thanks. It's a typical Thanksgiving service. And uh, I thought, you know, our eyes are always on people. <laughs> we're complaining about our current president or we're complaining about the former president. <laughs> we're complaining about the neighbor on our right or the neighbor on our left. We tend to have this polarization because we have our eyes on people. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. Man, you guys should have responded more than that. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. Uh, that's really true. We really do. And then it hit me, well, that's what we need to do when we look at the story of the ten lepers. We're going to look at the story of the ten lepers, but we're not going to look at the lepers. We're going to look at Jesus. And we're going to find five things that we can be thankful for in this Thanksgiving week. Five things we can thank Jesus for out of this story of the ten lepers. Now, there's um, two kinds of people in the world, and in a minute I'm going to ask you to identify which side you're on, okay? First, there's those that fill up their gas tank anytime the gauge gets below half a tank. My dad always said, Jerry, it's not going to cost any more to keep the top half full than the bottom half. So always make sure you have a full tank. Then there's other people who believe the E means enough, you know. Or if you have a, a car that actually has the number of miles you can travel before, uh, you know, you run out of gas, they look at that and they say, game on. You know, I just, yeah. <laughs> so, how many of you in group A, you keep the top half of your gas tank filled? How many? Okay. And how many 
challenge the E. Oh, man. I think there's more challenging the E than there are that took my dad's advice. Now, how many of you are married to somebody in a different group? <laughs> because that, can, that just shows God's sense of humor, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, even those of us who maybe like to push the limit of our gas gauge have to admit that it makes a lot more sense never to get let the gas gauge get low, causing stress, and take that risk that you might run out if there's an emergency. And I want to, uh, I guess, present to you this idea today that gratitude's a lot like that as well. First Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, says, give thanks in all circumstances. Paul had learned that. He could give thanks when he had a lot to eat. He was comfortable. He gave thanks when he was in the dungeon, chained up, had nothing to eat. See, we all need to top off our gratitude tanks during the good times. Because when you do that, you're less likely to run out of thankfulness during the hard times. So as we approach Thanksgiving Day later this week, I, I want us to think about how to keep our thankful tank full. And we're going to do that not by looking at our circumstances or what we have or what we don't have. We're not going to look at each other and say, well, that guy should be more grateful or why did that leper come back and the others didn't. This week, we're just going to get our eyes on Jesus because I think if we get our eyes on Jesus, we will be thankful. Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse number 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem. So where is he going? He's going toward Jerusalem. He reaches the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them, and he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, notice that, they had to be obedient. As they went, forward motion, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Praise God. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. And he shouted, praise God. And he fell at, to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Now this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed or saved you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story that is a historical fact. It's not a parable. It's something that really did happen. And I pray, God, that we will learn from it in this year of 2021 as we approach Thanksgiving. And as we keep our eyes upon you, may we learn some things that will fill up the top half of our gratitude thing. In Jesus' name, amen.
five things. First one is, you can thank Jesus. He's never too busy for you. Jesus is never too busy for you. We read verse 11. He continued on toward Jerusalem. That jumps out at me. Jesus was a man on a mission. He knew where he was going. Now, Luke makes a big deal out of his destination. Actually, if you go all the way back to chapter 9, and you can do this on your own, but Luke tells his audience that he's writing to, he says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's a pretty powerful statement. He was on his way from point A to point B. He was on a mission from God. He was going to Jerusalem because he knew the cross was waiting for him. He set his face. And from that point on, pretty much from Luke chapter 9 on, everything Jesus does is in context of going to Jerusalem. The focus was Jerusalem. And we know what happened in Jerusalem. That's where he's going to be crucified for the sins of the world. Now, I don't know how much time elapsed between this story and Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, but it happens only two chapters later in Luke's narrative. So I'm thinking it's possible that he probably was less than a month away from his death when these 10 lepers cried out to him. I don't know, I think I would have a little grace and understand that Jesus was very preoccupied at this point. He knew where he was going. God had called him to Jerusalem. His face was set to get to Jerusalem. I wouldn't blame Jesus if he just ignored the ten lepers. If he had pressed on. If he pretended like he'd ever even heard them. Think about the last time that maybe you were getting ready for a big trip. Maybe a cruise or something you've been planning for months or a family vacation or a honeymoon or some kind of big thing. The last big project you had to finish. That crucial interview that absolutely you could not be late for. Think about your state of mind. You probably weren't as sensitive to the voices of your children, to the needs of your neighbors, Because you had your mind set on that trip, on that project. Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill the mission for which he had come to earth. Allowed himself to be interrupted by ten unclean lepers. Jesus is never too busy to hear our cries. Never. And it's even more incredible when you think one of these guys, at least one, wasn't even Jewish. Well, I'm so grateful that I can come to God with my request and not worry about getting the busy signal. You know? Man, that should change our approach in a lot of ways. As a pastor, I've experienced through the years a lot of people who will say, You know, Pastor Jerry, I know you're real busy. They kind of couch that. I know you're real busy. And I have to stop and think, am I really? (laughs) Am I more pressed for time than Jesus was? 
Now, on a Sunday morning, out in the lobby, obviously I have a dozen things on my mind. And I'm trying to keep things in order, and there's things, commitments to keep, and uh, things I've got to remember, and I pass by people. And I think, I need to be more like Jesus. Yes, those other things are important, but in our lives, let's be like Jesus. Let's take time for people. Man, I'm sorry. I apologize to anyone who's ever felt like I was too busy to talk to you. I want to be like Jesus. Now, sometimes I know that we wear that as a badge of honor. You know, we think, oh, the busier we are, it looks like we're working hard, we're rushing from one thing to another. You know, it shows you that you're important or you're valuable. You know what that is? That's just seeking the approval of men, not the approval of God. God was very, very happy that Jesus took time on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world, to talk to and to minister to these 10 lepers. I want us to thank Jesus that he's never too busy for us. Verse 12 and 13, I think we need to thank Jesus that he always hears the prayer of mercy. The prayer of mercy. Kare Elison. Lord have mercy. If you're a fan of 1980 pop music, you probably remember the group. Uh, Mr. Mr. Misters. <laughs> they had one big hit. And it was exactly that. Lord have mercy. Kare Elison. It's a Greek word. Elison means have mercy. Kyrie means Lord. And it means technically the emotion roused by contact with an affliction that comes undeservedly on someone. Let that soak in for a minute. The emotion roused by contact with an affliction which comes undeservedly on someone. There's a lot of things in life that we don't ask for. There's a lot of things that happen just because we live in a sinful world. We need to have mercy upon people who are going through those desperate things. That song back in the 80s, I was playing it last night on YouTube. I love the words. Lord have mercy, or Kere Elison, down the road that I must travel. Kere Elison through the darkness of the night. Kere Elison where I'm going, will you follow? Kere Elison on a highway in the night. No matter where we are, we can call to God for mercy. Even if we find ourselves undeservedly suffering. Think about those lepers for a moment. They hadn't done anything to get leprosy. They didn't choose to get leprosy. They, hadn't, they just got leprosy because it's a disease. And even the Old Testament law was clear that if you contracted leprosy, whether it was your fault or not, you were unclean. That didn't mean that you deserved it. People are getting the coronavirus all around us. It doesn't mean that they deserve it. It's a virus. Essentially, these lepers were crying out, 
Lord have mercy, which means technically, Jesus, would you let your emotions be stirred by our affliction, which you don't have and we don't deserve? And you know what? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus always answered a cry for mercy. Let me give you a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 9, remember the two blind men cried out to Jesus for mercy? Bartimaeus and his friend, Lord have mercy. Matthew chapter 15, we read about a Canaanite woman begging for mercy for her demon-possessed daughter. And Jesus came in and cast out that demon. In Matthew chapter 17, we see Jesus had mercy on a boy with epilepsy. All through the scriptures, we see that Lord have mercy. He's not only available, he always answers our cry for mercy. Even if we find ourselves in a situation we don't deserve. Now remember, Jesus wasn't blind. He wasn't epileptic. Jesus wasn't demon-possessed. But none of those people deserve their affliction either. Yet Jesus healed them. That's a positive thing. Stop for a minute and ask yourselves, did Jesus only show mercy to people who are suffering undeservedly? What about people who are suffering because they made bad choices? Because sometimes we find ourselves suffering because of our own stupidity or because of our own sinful nature. Man, uh, do we withhold mercy from an alcoholic? Do we withhold mercy from an AIDS patient? Well, in the very next chapter, chapter 18, Jesus tells this story about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they both were going to the temple to pray. So good thing. And the Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other men. I'm not like, you can fill in the blank. Like I say, today we tend to look at other people. We tend to demonize other people. And this Pharisee was doing that. I'm not like them. They're extortionists. They're unjust. They're adulterers. Look at that guy. He's a tax collector. But Lord, I fast twice a week. I, I give tithe to everything I make. Verse 13 says the tax collector was standing far off, wouldn't even lift his head to heaven. He had his, his countenance was downward. He was beating his breast and he was simply saying, Kere Elazon, in Greek, Lord have mercy. And verse 14 of that chapter says, I tell you, this man, the one who is asking for mercy is the one who is justified, not the churchgoer. Pretty amazing story. But it shows that Jesus is not only available, he always answers a prayer for mercy. He doesn't just show mercy to people who are suffering undeservedly. In fact, mercy is most obvious in our lives when we don't get the punishment that we do deserve. All of us are sinners. Man, all of us have offended a holy God, a just God. And Jesus comes into contact with us sinners who are suffering from this infliction, 
which he doesn't share because he's sinless. And what does he do? He shows us mercy. Aren't you glad for that? A couple of scriptures if you're taking notes. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. Sometimes when I'm waiting for someone, I, uh, I'm not so gracious. <laughs> I get impatient. When the Lord waits for us, he waits because he wants to be gracious and show us mercy. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18 is another scripture. My God, we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Why was that member healed this morning even before church began? Not because of anything he did, although he was obedient to what the word says, which is important, but he was healed because of the grace and the mercy of God. Every time someone calls out for mercy in the Gospels, mercy's given, except one time that we read. And I, and I want to deal with that because, again, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the story of a rich man and this beggar named Lazarus. Never once in their earthly life did the rich man lift a finger to help Lazarus. He just passed him by. Oh, it's another beggar. It's another foreigner. It's another border hopper. It's, it's, they just passed him by. And in the story, the man dies, and then uh, Lazarus dies, and Lazarus goes to heaven, and the rich man goes to Sheol, he goes to hell, and he's in torment. And the rich man looks up and he sees Lazarus. Remember this story? He sees him at Abraham's side. Verse 24 says, he called out, Father Abraham. Now remember, this is after he died. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Why don't you send Lazarus down to dip his finger in the cool water? Because I'm in anguish because of all the flames and the heat. It's the only time I have found in the gospel where someone begs for mercy and he didn't receive it because the man had already died. See, as long as we are living, it's never too late to turn to Jesus. You recognize your sin, you cry out to God for mercy and you'll receive mercy. But friends, once you draw your last breath on this earth, Bethany, before service, said that the Lord had just planted in her heart this morning that scripture in Revelation that says, at some point, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. But we shouldn't wait until that day. We need to confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't skirt around with, well, if God's so loving and merciful, maybe after I die, I'll still have a second chance. Don't go there in your thinking, friends. Look what happened to the rich man. 
He didn't receive mercy. Now is the time to walk with God, to accept Christ as your Savior, to recognize your sins. Because we have no biblical evidence for mercy on the other side of the grave. So if you're a child of God, aren't you glad and thankful that Jesus will answer our cry for mercy? And if you're here today or watching online, man, if you don't know Jesus, cry out to Jesus today for mercy. Third thing. First one is Jesus is never too busy. Second is Jesus always, while we're on earth, will answer our prayer for mercy. Thirdly, Jesus kept the law perfectly. That is stated here. I thought, well, why, why did Luke make a big deal over that? Verse 14, he kept the law perfectly. What did he do? He looked at them and he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of leprosy. That was an Old Testament thing. You know, it seems like a minor detail, but it really isn't. If you look closely, you'll realize it's one of the most important parts of this story. Why did Jesus tell them to go show themselves to the priest? It's because what the law required. And Jesus was a Jew, and he kept the law. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 2 is your reference very clear that on the day a leper was cleansed, he was to be brought into the priest. And then the priest would command that a sacrifice would be made. And there was a very complicated ritual that had to be followed before the leper could actually be pronounced clean. Jesus kept the law of Moses. He tells us in Matthew chapter 5, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. It's important that we remember that. He said, I tell you the truth. Heaven and earth pass away, but not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen by any means will disappear from the law until everything's accomplished. Speaking of himself, Jesus did fulfill the law. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't take shortcuts. We want shortcuts. I was sharing with the board Thursday night a, a verse out of Psalms. And I'd never really seen it this way, but it, it said, I'm going to, this is a loose paraphrase, but if you want wisdom, you need to be obedient to the word. You know, we all are asking for wisdom. We want it somehow supernaturally imputed into our mind. Just give us wisdom, Lord. And that scripture said, no, if you want wisdom, there's a step you need to take. It's to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to the word. Just as we saw these 10 lepers were cleansed only as they went. See, Jesus kept the law Perfectly. He didn't take shortcuts. That's why, frankly, he had to die for us. The law requires there's got to be an unblemished sacrifice for sin. And because Jesus kept the law perfectly, he could be that perfect sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 
says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. I'm thankful that Jesus keeps every bit of the law. Because by his example, I can learn that I need to be obedient to the word of God and to the spirit of God that lives within me. Okay, fourth thing. Thank you, Jesus, that you show mercy to foreigners. Well, we have to deal with this. It's very clear in the text. The guy that came back was a Samaritan. See, Jesus saw that he was healed, and he, and he turned back, and we read the narrative. He fell on his face, and, and then Jesus said, well, weren't there 10 cleansed? And, and where's the others? <laughs> the only one that's come back is a foreigner. And again, it might seem like a minor detail, but I think when we look at it, we'll see the heart, the heart of the gospel. Since God's word specifies that one of the nine is a Samaritan, we can assume that at least some, if not all the other nine, were Jews. That's a pretty f- safe assumption. Now tell me, who are God's chosen people? The Jews. They were God's chosen people. Man, if you've been reading the journey with us through Acts, we've seen that time and time again. The Jewish people didn't accept Christ God raised up Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And we're adopted. We're grafted in. But the Jews were God's chosen people. And the Samaritans, they weren't, to be honest. They just weren't. And there was a long history of this bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans. Yet in this story, mercy was extended to both of them. All ten were cleansed of their leprosy. But it's the Samaritan that returned to thank Jesus. No one likes to be a foreigner. And I've had the privilege of visiting a lot of countries in my life. And it's always a little bit startling, a little bit, it makes you a little bit anxious when you go through customs in a country and you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, and you can't read the signs and you don't know you know, the language. I remember the first time, and this is if, if you travel a lot, you know, in a lot of airports in other countries, you have to pay to use the restroom. But you never really know whether it's a legitimate person that's wanting you to pay them or if it's some kind of con man. And those kind of things, you know, they just kind of mess with your mind. You go through customs and there's a big sign, you know, that says citizens, and then there's a arrow that says foreigners. (laughs) And I think, no, I'm just an international traveler. I'm not a foreigner. (laughs) But the fact is, in that country, in that airport, I really am. And when you think about that, when it comes to the gospel, if you are Gentile, and I don't think we have any Jews here today that were born Jewish, So that means we're all Gentiles, which means we're all foreigners. When you look at the gospel, all of us come to Jesus as foreigners, unless you actually were born biologically a Jew. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus came, what? To draw all men. 
That's an important statement. All men, A-L-L. John 8.44 says that. Not, he didn't come just to draw the Jews. He came to draw all men. Man, spiritually, we have a different nature than Jesus. <laughs> We're foreign. <laughs> We're selfish. We speak a different language. We're selfish. He's giving. We're citizens of a different country. We understand that. He's, he's part of the, the kingdom of light, and we were part of the kingdom of darkness. And if it wasn't for his mercy, where we are born again, and we are adopted as foreigners, but then received as sons and daughters of the most high God in the kingdom of God. So I'm thankful today to Jesus that he shows mercy to foreigners because that's us. We're foreigners. Fifth and final thing I just want to point out, that Jesus both healed and saved. And there's a difference here. I want you to look closely at verse number 19 of Luke 17. Now, depending on your translation, you will have uh, maybe a different word. Um, in the New Living Translation, it says, and we're looking at verse 17, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. But you'll also see an asterisk there by the word healed. Because it's a totally different word that's used earlier in the story. Now, the translators of the New Living Translation wanted to make it consistent, so they used the word healing. But you'll see a footnote there, and if you go down to the bottom, it will say, your faith has saved you. In New International, in New King James, in the uh, ESV, verse 19 says, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, if you look at verse 14, the word is cleansed or healed. And I want you to notice the different phrases there between verse 14 and actually verse 17 also. Verse 14 and 17 talk about being cleansed or healed, but verse number 19 talks about being saved or made whole. Are you following me? Now, there's a reason for that. They're two different Greek words. That's why NLT, even though they use the word healed, made that note on the bottom. They wanted to be true to the Greek. Two different words. The word cleanse that we see in verse 14 and 17 is katharizo. Uh, uh, it's where we get our word uh, catharsis. Okay? All through the scripture... It's only ever used for a physical healing. You'll never find that Greek word used for anything other than a physical healing. So in verse 14 and 17, that's what it means. They were healed. But down in verse 19 is a whole different word. It's the word sozo. S-O-Z-O. Which can be translated to be made whole, to be made complete, to be made well, to be saved. It can be translated to be healed, but translating it heal is really kind of putting it in a box because sozo means more than a physical healing. 
Most of the times when the word sozo is translated in the New Testament, it is not for a physical healing, but a spiritual revelation, a spiritual salvation. A good example is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we may be saved. That word is sozo. Not cleansed, but saved. So as we kind of conclude here, I want you to stay with me because this is really fascinating. You see, the nine of the ten lepers received a healing or a cleansing. They went to the priest, they did the ritual, they made the offerings, they received a physical healing. However, listen, the law, even though they fulfilled all the elements of the law, the law does not have power to save. There was no sozo involved there. All they got was a physical healing, which I'm sure they were very thankful for. But the tenth leper, the foreigner, he comes back to Jesus. And guess what? He wasn't just healed. He was saved. He didn't receive only a cleansing. He was made whole, body, mind, and spirit. And that's what salvation is all about. Jesus doesn't always heal us of our physical diseases. We understand that. Sometimes he does. More often than not, I think he does. But I've prayed for people who have gotten worse physically. Some people have passed away. But see, that's a physical healing. That's a whole different thing than we're looking at here at that one leper. Jesus always saves those who cry out to him. And if you have never cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Make me whole. Give me a reason for living. I want to align myself with God. Jesus will hear your prayer this morning. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online, you can cry out to him. Cry out for mercy to say, thank you, Jesus. You cleanse, but you also save. So as we approach our national day of Thanksgiving, this is a national holiday for us. Canadians have already celebrated theirs in October. Other countries have different days. For us that live in the United States, this Thursday is our national day of Thanksgiving. And you know, despite the money you might have in your bank account or the money you don't have, or the food in your cupboard, Maybe it's going to be a sparse Thanksgiving. Whatever it is, don't measure your thankfulness on temporal things. Let's be like that foreigner. Let's not look at the people around us, the other nine lepers that didn't come back. Boy, that guy that did come back could have really criticized those nine. But he didn't. He kept his eyes on Jesus. We can thank Jesus because as we look at Jesus in this familiar story, we see he's never too busy for us. He always answers our prayer for mercy. Jesus 
keeps the law perfectly. Jesus always welcomes foreigners. And Jesus has the ability not just to cleanse our physical body, but to save us, to make us whole. Aren't you glad for that? Let's stand together. Jesus, I thank you that on this Thanksgiving 2021, we can look at this familiar story and we can rejoice and we can thank you, Lord, for the attributes that we find. We thank you, Lord, that you're never too busy for us. If we reach out and touch you, you will hear our cry for mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you keep the law that you have taught us the importance of obedience. God, I thank you that you are the perfect example for us. I thank you, Lord, that you always hear our cry and that you not only touch us physically, you not only provide for our needs, but Lord, most importantly, you provide salvation to us. Will you just repeat this prayer after me today? Lord Jesus, on this Thanksgiving weekend, I thank you for going to the cross and for defeating death and rising from the tomb and ascending to heaven and interceding for me. I receive your gift of salvation. I thank you that you're never too busy for me. I thank you that you always hear my cry for mercy. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to rejoice always. To pray continually. And to be thankful in every situation. Help me to be joyful this Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.